Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 26. And I'm going to do just a, a real simple teaching today. Um, that I believe will help a lot of people. Now, it is a simple teaching, uh, and so I'm going to ask you to just hook up with me and and pay attention um, and to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And I believe for some of you, this will just hit you exactly where you're at, but for others of you, this will be a podcast or something that you can share even on social media uh, with someone who might be going through a season of heaviness. Um, there are times in our lives where we go through a season of heaviness, uh, where we go through a season of seriousness, uh, where we go through a season of sadness, where we have found ourselves exhausted. Uh, and this is something that if you're there, it's okay, because you are not um, endless. You need to be renewed. You need to be restored you need to be refilled. All of those are biblical words, refilled, restored, renewed, because things tax you. And we have lived in a world that has taxed us all pretty hard the last two years. I don't care who you are, uh, there is trauma and drama uh, that has happened uh, in every nation, in families, in every workplace, uh, that has altered the world and has taxed our souls. And I just want to encourage you in this, it's okay to not be okay. And if you are here or you're watching or you're listening to this later and you're not okay, you're heavy, you're sad, you're exhausted, um, I want to give you a recipe for progress to come out of that season and to step into the light. Uh, And so this is what this is for. And so I just want to give you three quick tips. Number one, live no lies. Live no lies. Now, we know sometimes we tell lies, uh, but I'm not just talking about telling lies. I'm talking about living a lie. Live no lies. If you want to come out of this season, the first step is to stop living a lie. Truth creates freedom. And this is so funny because oftentimes we feel like we can't be truthful. I don't want to be that honest with you. I don't want to be that truthful with you. Think about what we just said. Lies create prisons. The Bible teaches us that truth sets free. Oftentimes, we're not honest with ourselves, we're not honest with others, and we're not honest with God. And so we're living in a state where there's still bondage because there's still a lie. We're lying to ourselves and we're saying, we're fine, it's okay. And you're not. And we haven't come to this place of acknowledgement. Now, I I think there is a difference between acknowledgement and acceptance. Uh, I've studied a lot of psychology because people do come to me for advice, and I think some of these things are helpful to know. And there's this principle called the second arrow. And they say, like, oftentimes, like, in in Eastern cultures, like, you'd have, like, you know, bows and arrows. And the first arrow would be the event or circumstance that happened to you. 
COVID, something that was out of your control, the loss of a loved one, fraction in a family, um, a loss of purpose or significance or whatever it may be. That's the first arrow. But the second arrow, they say, is the more deadly one. And the second arrow is the one that comes after the first. And it's the lie you tell yourselves that the first one is not affecting you. And I have seen this in countless number of people over 19 years of pastoring um, that people don't want to acknowledge the second arrow and they keep um, going on, operating at, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, 50%, 20%, 60%, 80%, and we learn to live a lie that we're fine, but we're actually bleeding out. And you've got to stop. We have to stop. Uh, For every person, uh, I'll use this terminology because it's one that's very real to me as a pastor, and I spend a lot of my life on stages and in front of people. But for every one of us, there is a front stage us and a backstage us. Uh, And the front stage me is the the me uh, that uh, I let you see. It is the, the me... Uh, that makes sure it's well put together, it's presented, uh, presentable, uh, it is informed, it is educated, it thinks before it speaks, or at least tries to, uh, all of those types of things. Um, it is one that's, you know, thought about of, of how I'm presenting myself to you. But there is a backstage me of when I step off stage that I will let my guard down Uh, and that the performance is kind of over, and then there's that side of me. Now, every one of us has this, and I've seen this as a pastor. When most people meet with me, whether it's an employee or a person that I meet somewhere, I typically, 80% of the time, 8 out of 10 times, will get the front stage of that person. Uh, It is joy, it is happy, it's good pastor, it is here's food, you know, like all these types of things. Uh, It's uh, the front stage, uh, which is fine. It's it's, it's one of those things that we, we have as a protective measure. Uh, that we go to work and we're fine and we show people our front stage us. And, um, you know, we, we take the time to make sure we're presentable and we're okay and we kind of had the tears or had the pain and we just do it. We show up. Uh, isn't that what life is? Just showing up and we show up at work and we show up at family and we show up at Thanksgiving and we show up at dinners and we show up at all these things. But then there's the backstage us. And oftentimes, the backstage us does not match the front stage us. Now, here's the thing. When the backstage you, who you really are, is close to the front stage you, you're healthy, spiritually, physically, mentally. You're in a good space when these two things are close. But oftentimes, distance begins to grow between the backstage you and the front stage you. Or what you're showing family what you're showing church members, what you're, you're, you're showing people you work with and friends is not who you really are. And sometimes this happens with sin, that we get caught up in sin, and so in between this gap, the gap always has deception in it. Always. And that lie creates a prison. Uh, so when that gap gets so big, Uh, all of a sudden, I'm not showing everyone what I'm really facing or going through. There's a measure of me that is hiding. There is a measure of me that is forcing. The fruit of the Spirit are not coming natural to me. 
Every bit of love, joy, and peace is forced. It's not a fruit that's being produced of the Spirit. It's a forcing of my flesh to get up for the moment, to get up for the family, to get up for my husband, to get up for my wife, to to come to this stage where I am striving to just make it and, and striving to just kind of force this position but really intimately, and when the smoke kind of clears and the, the battle is over, um, that if I'm being honest with myself, I'm really not okay. But we keep acting like we are. If we want to be well, and I would ask that today, like Jesus asked the, the paralytic, um, who was, was laid by a pool, who for years nothing changed, I would ask that question today is, do you really want to get well? Because if you want to get well, the first thing that you have to do is to acknowledge, I am not where I need to be. It's not okay, and it's okay that it's not. I am sad, I am angry, I am frustrated. Um, I am facing something in life that has taxed me. I am at this place where I know uh, I have some things going on. Uh, Check this out in the book of Matthew. Uh, In Matthew chapter 26, they'll put it up on the screens, and you can go to it in your your scriptures. Uh, In Matthew chapter 26, I I want you to notice this in verse 38. Then he said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Now, notice this. Then he said unto them, here's what's going on in me. My soul is like my mind, my will, and my emotions. Here's what's going on in me. It's exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Now, let me ask you a question. Who said that? Jesus did. Have you had a moment of honesty like that in a minute? Who did he say that to? To his friends and his father. Jesus is at a season of life where the exterior pressure has gotten so big that it's created interior pressure. And when he's facing this interior pressure, he does not just act like everything is fine. Uh, The Bible says he brings his friends with him, the 12 disciples, so it's okay to have a front stage you that only certain people see and then a backstage person that, you know, is even more restricted. Uh, that Jesus takes these people into a garden. He comes in there to pray. He tells them, here's what's going on in my soul. And then he casts himself down before God and tells God what's going on in his soul. He acknowledges where he is. And out of this moment of transparency and truth, you see him get a freedom and a strength to go finish out this season. And we have these moments where we think, I can't do that. Uh, Or we have these moments where we think, I should be strong enough where I don't have to. And I have seen this play out in the lives of men, women. I've seen this play out in the lives of pastors. I can't tell you how many pastors the last year and a half that I have sat down with who have wanted to quit ministry because of all they faced during COVID. 
uh, that there was a, a lot of abuse of a lot of different people, but a, a lot of times for a lot of pastors, uh, especially in churches that uh, were a little bit more in, in kind of rural communities where they were dealing with the, the lives of their members of like the political pressure of to wear a mask or to not wear a mask, to open up or to not open up. All these things tax their souls. I, I've talked to many people uh, nurses and physicians and doctors during this season to get counsel on what we should do with some of those things as a church uh, during the COVID season and talking to them about the pressure of like working a COVID floor where no family can come up there and, and see these people and to, to feel the pressure to not just be doctor and nurse but to be family. And so we face things like this, and that's just those two instances. That's not included the, the pressure you feel to be a mom that always has it all together and like uh, whose house stacks up to whatever house you went in the last time or the house you saw on Instagram and what they're doing for Christmas. We create this pressure on the inside of us. Uh, kids have it to perform and get grades, but it carries over into work, and all of this goes on, but we're not acknowledging in ourselves that, hey, I need to be refilled. I need to be renewed. I need to, to come into a place where I, I am, am having something put into me, uh, where I am, am taking the time to, instead of be taxed, uh, to, to take the time to be refilled. And, and I want to encourage you for this path of freedom, this is the first step, is you have to come to a place where you are done living a lie and acting like it's okay when it's not. Take the time to kind of pull back and begin to acknowledge where you're at. I heard this quote. They'll put it up next on the screens, and we'll move on to point number two. Uh, next point on the screens. No. If you cannot open up to discomfort without suppression, you'll become toxic. Uh, now, here's what, what this is talking about. Um, when Jesus is at this place where I'm sorrowful to the point of death, he didn't end with, but really, I'm fine. Uh, I'm sorrowful to the point of death. My soul is a little sorrowful right now, but don't worry. I'll, I'll, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We often face uh, this place where we'll acknowledge some truth, but then not really fully flesh it out. And we feel the need to kind of suppress where we're really at because in our minds, we think we should be better than this. And we're comparing ourselves to an idealized version that does not exist. How many of you know there is not a person in this room who is not in need of Jesus and help? I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are, how many muscles you got, how many letters you got by your name. There is not a person in here who is not in need of Jesus, in need of help. And needing that help and needing the Lord, it does not make you weak. It makes you human. And when you understand that humanity, you can tap into his divinity because you understand when I am weak, he is strong. And so I have to pull back from this lie that it's not okay to be not okay and to be like, no, it's, it's okay. It's okay to be not okay. But I can't keep going on like I am fine when I know in my heart I am not fine. I need to address this issue in my life. First thing, live no lie. Second thing, here's what I want you to do. I want you, number two, to begin to connect deeply. 
And, and what do I mean by connecting deeply? What I'm talking here is about three primary relationships that you need in your life to connect with, and that is with you, yourself, number two, others, and number three, your heavenly Father. Uh, connect deeply with yourself, connect deeply with your heavenly Father, and connect deeply with others. In, in the book of Genesis, they'll put it up on the screens, Genesis uh, chapter 3 and verse number 7, uh, we see after the fall of humanity that Adam and Eve, they've sinned. Watch what their next instinct is. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked. They'd made a mistake. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons to kind of hide their mistake. Watch this in verse number eight. It keeps going. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So when man sin and they're not okay, uh, they have made a mistake and it's not good. It's not fine in the garden. <laughs> it's not everything is, is awesome and we're, we're, we'll make it. And, you know, these types of things. Um, um, they are in a garden and it's not good. Um, their mistakes have been made, and there's pain and there's sadness. Notice what their first instinct was. Hide it. From who? From myself, from my friends and family, and from the Lord. Their instinct when they were not okay was to hide it. Uh, their instinct was to act like they were okay and like, oh, nothing happened, you know, in you know, all the while just kind of covering their mistakes, not letting anyone see their, their, their failure, their flaws, their hurt, their wounds. And, and I think so many people, especially during the COVID season, have learned to hide. And, and we're hiding things from the Lord, we're hiding things from others, and it's gotten so bad, we're even hiding it from ourselves. And your, your path forward is acknowledgement and then connecting deeply. Um, if, if I was looking to have a great relationship with Robert, and me and Robert, we, we, when we have one, thank God for it, Robert's one of my closest friends. Uh, he's not just uh, a minister and a pastor here on staff, he's a dear friend of mine. And if me and Robert are, are looking to have a dear friendship, and Robert is annoyed, but I never, I never ask him what is annoying him, and like I can tell him he's visibly not okay, but I just keep walking by. Uh, he's upset and he's agitated, but I'm not taking the time to stop and really engage him. Uh, he's angry. Like, I can tell he's angry, but I, I just treat it like, you're fine. You'll get over it. I don't take the time to listen to him. I don't take the time to ask him, why? Why are you angry? What are you feeling? What are you going through? Talk to me. Like, I just act like, oh, you'll be fine, and then I skip on to the next thing. I don't know what brings him joy. I don't know what would bring him peace. I don't know what equals fun to him. Do you think me and Robert would have a strong friendship? No. But how many of us do that with ourselves? We're angry, but we don't listen to ourselves. It's like, just get over it. Snap out of it. Uh, we're, we're frustrated, we're exhausted, and we're tired, but we just keep saying, well, just get up, be better, do better. 
be stronger, you know, you know, these types of things. Can you imagine if Robert was in the, like a, a weakened type of state and I'm like, oh, you're fine, just be better. Like just, just work harder, Robert, that's what you need to do. And there's no compassion and there's no empathy and there's no heart for it. But how many of you do that to yourselves? When's the last time you did something really fun? Do you even know what fun means to you? What equals fun? What equals rest? What equals peace? What, what if you did it, 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 it equals something that brings joy and nourishment to your soul? Um, do, you, do you have that type of relationship with yourself? I want to encourage you, if you don't, take the time to develop one. Uh, begin to journal and ask, what is going on with me? That's just a great question. What is going on with me? Where am I at really? Because I know where I want to go, but just like any GPS will tell you, if you don't know where you are, it doesn't matter where you want to go because you cannot get any direction. But as soon as you know where you are and then you know where to go, how many of you know your GPS can spit out some direction? And when you come to a place where you're acknowledging where you're at as a person and you you come in and you begin to ask yourself and others and God, okay, here's where I'm at but here's where I want to go. Father, can you show me the steps forward? God will be faithful to give you direction. God will be faithful as your father to give you guidance. But you have to acknowledge it, and you have to start taking those steps, asking those questions. Connect deeply with yourself, others, and God. And point number three is this. I want you to dream a new dream, and I want you to think like a farmer, and sow some seed. Dream a new dream and think like a a farmer and sow some seed. Uh, So oftentimes in our lives, we have things in our past that have hurt us and wounded us and disappointed us. Even if everything in your personal life went well over the last couple of years, uh, globally the world is hurting. And for many people, it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. And out of that, that's all in our past. And we have these things that didn't work out, these things that have made our hearts a little bitter, us a little angry, us a little sad, and we hold on to them. And the more we're holding on to the past, the more we're holding on to death and the spirit of death. So Paul said, this one thing I do I let go of what is behind me, and I reach for what is out in front of me. And if I'm holding on to this, I'm like, I don't want this anymore. You know what one of the best ways to let this go is? Is to make a decision to hold on to something else. Dream a new dream. It's time for your heart to get excited over something. On my way out of the Highland Colony campus at the 8.30 service, I was walking out, and I've got to get to the car pretty quickly, typically, to to get over to this campus to preach. And while I was walking out, I was was stopped uh, by a member who's been in our church for many years, and her daughter just died. And she's there, and, and she's obviously sad. And she said, what do I do? It was one of those moments where the front stage self had disappeared, and I'm looking at backstage. That's that's when we get healed, by the way. 
is when you let someone see backstage. And I'm looking at a backstage situation that's very real. This is not a made-up story. This was 45 minutes ago. She said, how do I, I, I heal? I said, the first thing you need to know is it's okay. It's okay to be not okay. We mourn with those who mourn. We come into a situation where we, we come in and we acknowledge this hurt. Don't act like it didn't hurt. It did knock the breath out of us. We've been there. I said, but there is a path forward. And we know that in our future we will see her so we can get excited about that. We can, let, we can, we can look forward to a future which helps us let go of some of the past. But I said, Naomi, for many years, was a woman filled with sorrow because of death. Her husband passed away and her sons passed away and she's here holding nothing. And for a long time she was very sad until Ruth, who she was divinely connected with, gave her a grandson. And when she allowed herself to hold that new life, her joy came back. And I said, over the next couple of months, we'll check in on you and we'll connect. But I want you to begin in holding what's alive and has a dream and a future. I said, what is that in your life? She said, I have my grandchildren. I'm like, perfect, pour into them. Take them for ice cream, take them to the park, drink hot cocoa with them, sit by a fire, sing Christmas carols, start a Christmas tradition, teach them how to knit, begin to pour life over into them. And see, when you stop, when you stop pouring out life, that's when the life begins to dry up within you. As long as the cruise of oil had the potential to pour out into a new vessel, it kept flowing life. But when she ran out of a vessel to pour into, that's when the life stopped. And, and some of you, you have not allowed your heart to get excited about something in a long time. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, stop. Let your heart dream again. Let your heart see what could be in the next five years, 10 years, three months. Let your, God begin to, let your heart begin to see a God with whom all things are possible. Begin to praise and worship, which is an assault on everything that says God can't. Allow your heart to dream of what could be. Because if there's anything I've seen in life, it is this. The future is not what lies ahead of you. The future is what lies within you. And we keep waiting on something to change, and it doesn't. Because the future is not what lies ahead of us. The future is what lies within us. And when all we see today is today, tomorrow is destined to look like today. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But if you will allow your heart to dream a new dream, to dream of what God can do, to dream of what God can do for your family, through your family, to dream of what God can do within you and all around you, if you will begin to allow your heart to dream, you can see your life step out of, out of the shadows and into God's marvelous light. Awaken your heart. Awaken your desires to dreams and possibilities. Amen. I'm going to ask all of our campuses to stand. Um, we're going to end in song today. And we'll go a little bit over, but that's okay. Uh, we'll end in song here at uh, Lakeland, and we'll end in song at Highland Colony.
Um, and so I just want uh, everyone during worship to just have a moment where you just open up your heart to healing, you open your heart to the Lord, and you allow the Heavenly Father to begin to quicken something in you. Uh, and maybe for some of you, you make a decision today to stop living a lie and to just acknowledge of, you know what, I'm not okay. I do need a healer. I do need healing. I do need friends. I do need uh, people to come in my life. And during this moment, you invite healing. You begin to connect deeply with yourself. Stop criticizing yourself so harshly. Stop being so judgmental of yourself. It's okay to be wounded. And to come and have a moment where you forgive yourself for your bad performance and acknowledge that the reason why you were bad is because you've been hurting. And now invite a healer into your heart and believe Jesus to supernaturally heal anything that's been affecting your heart. Maybe for others in this room during worship, you just make a decision to dream again. But either way, I want this to be a moment where the Holy Spirit can meet with you and we just allow him to seal whatever he needs to seal in your hearts and minds in Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray and we'll worship. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you for the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name that he does what only he can do. And that, Father, as we worship, and Father, as we come before you today, we thank you in Jesus' name that it is not by might, nor is it by power, but it is by your Spirit that we come alive. That just as Adam set there lifeless, but a breath of your Spirit breathed in fresh air and fresh life into him, that revived him and made him come alive, Father, we thank you by the power of your Holy Spirit, you are doing that very thing in this moment. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.